great to be here. I've had last weekend off. I was in uh, Gawler uh, inducting their new pastor, so that was a fantastic time to be part of that, but it's great to be back here at church. So i just got a few things to run through before I get into my message, and uh, those of you who knew uh, Sam Humphreys, Liz's husband, he passed away this week, so uh, if you think of ways to encourage Liz this week, give her a call, drop drop some food over or do something, uh, I'm sure she would appreciate that. So um, just be aware of you know, the, the family and, and do something on behalf of the church, which is us, to bless her. Also, we have um, the Australian Christian Churches International has, has started a disaster response appeal for Turkey and Syria for the earthquake over there. Um, as a church, we, uh, we budget these things into our plan. So immediately we're able to get on board with that and send funds to, to that cause. But also if you think, hey, that's something I want to be part of, on, I want to um, make an extra donation to that, you can do that on the One Heart uh, website on our giving. Uh, normal giving, just specify on it for ACCI, uh, Disaster Response Appeal for Turkey, Syria, uh, in, in your description when you're giving. Or you can use a, a giving um, envelope at the back on your way out and just put some money in there and, and write on it Syria, Turkey, whatever uh, for that cause. Also I, I forgot to mention in the previous service, if I could just have that picture up uh, I've become a granddaddy this week. There it is, yeah. So so I'm officially sleeping with a nana these days. That's the worst part about it. I, I, see, I, I couldn't say that in the first service. They wouldn't have understood. So, <laughs> what else have we got? I've got a few, uh, uh, a few things. I just want to. What else to say? Uh, I just want to welcome our online viewers today. Thanks for watching, especially if you're for Tumby Bay. Uh, I want to say it's great to have you uh, tuning in with us. And if you're new to One Heart Church, so good to have you here with us today as well. And we're so glad that you've taken the time to come to church because God's going to speak to us today, isn't He? I want to say a big welcome to the Tumby Bay. They've got a whole row for themselves today. So thanks for coming down. Just on that, we are launching One Heart Tumby Bay really soon. And one of the things that God spoke to me only recently was about uh, when Noah was, was preparing the ark. It said when everything was ready, God told Noah to now get in the ark. And we've just got a few things we have to get ready. But I want to say it's very exciting. This week we'll be signing a contract for a building in Tumby Bay. So that's really, really exciting that, that One Heart is purchasing a building and uh, then we've got to do some other things uh, before we're ready. But when we're ready, we're going to launch. So we're going to let everybody, everybody know when that launch is taking place. So you know, the services will be 4 p.m. in Tumby Bay every Sunday. So if you want to go to church, if you miss a morning, you think, hey, I'm going to go to Tumby Bay, have a swim and then go to church, be there at 4 p.m. It's a great option. If you just like sleeping in, just go to One Heart Tumby Bay at, at 4 o'clock. But uh, to me, it, 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 it is going to be a very exciting season in the life of the church to, to go beyond where we've ever been before, extending the boundaries uh, to Tumby Bay. So who's excited for that? Four people. That's amazing. Fantastic. So also I just want to say a brief mention, Awaken is on this Thursday night. So uh, I'll, I'll mention that 
various you know, infomercials in my message today, but Awaken is a great time to, to soak ourselves in the presence of God, to uh, be in a place of faith. Uh, of This morning I woke uh, when I woke up, I felt God start to give me some, uh, some things to preach about on Thursday night, so it's going to be a great time. And we worship longer, we, we linger in the presence of God, we pray for one another, and it's a place where we are expecting people to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Who's in for that? Yes. The other four who weren't wrapped before. Thanks, guys. You did a great job this morning. Let's give them a hand. So I better get into the message then. Done enough commercials. just want to um, start with a question. And now when I say this, it's, it's a rhetorical question. You don't have to yell out an answer. So that's what we do in church. Some people think, it's a, no, it's not a game show. We don't do, we, no, no, we don't do that here. <clears throat> what, you know, I ask a question, but it's for you to think about in, in your mind. Think quietly about the, the answer. So my question to you this morning is, what is a Christian? So uh, that is a, a great question, and we're going to refer to it later, but I want you to consider that even for yourself. What is a Christian? So... My title for the message this morning is Discipleship Starts Here. And uh, I want us to, to look at some concepts today that are really, really simple and basic, but very important. So in the book of Matthew chapter 24, Jesus gives us details of what things will be like before his return in, in the end of this world. Um, now, we are a church that believes and preaches uh, that Jesus will return for his people, uh, for, for the believers who have stood upon the truth. Now, Jesus said about himself, he didn't say, oh, I'll, talk, I'll teach you truth. He didn't say, come to me and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you things that are true. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So he declares about himself that what he teaches about life and about eternity is true. And so we can rely upon Jesus' own testimony of himself about the world and what is to come. So wherever truth has been distorted in this world, Jesus speaks his word over that. His word is over that. So today, um, we, we don't have to think very far, but uh, we live in an age where people are making their own rules, making their own truth uh, on all sorts of issues. And you look at it from the outside, I think that is crazy, but there seems to be a, a, an appetite in the world for distorting whatever is true. Whatever we thought, well, that is, that is normal, has been distorted or is wanting to be distorted. And I think we're only starting to see the start of that, that uh, dismantling of truth in the world. So we might think well, the world is already crazy enough. I'll tell you, get ready because it's going to get crazier. But what we need to do as the people of God, as the church, is to stand firmly on the truth that we know, which is in Jesus. So um, it's our time to define ourselves aligned and measured on the word of God. That's our standard point. So we as a church don't want to don't adjust our teaching to the flavor of the world. But we want to flavor the world with the teachings of Jesus. And you are that, that flavour that goes into the world wherever you are. 
So I want to encourage you, these are not days for us to be hunkered down in our bunkers. It is days to be on the offensive and bringing the word of God because people need to know it and they want to know it. And the church is to shine brightest in the darkest night. Who's in for that? Um, Anne, I'm preaching today. Anne always asks me every Sunday, are you preaching? And I say, no, not today. Today I'm preaching, Anne, just for you. So you keep your ears open. So, at the start of this year, I believe that 2023 to be the year that defines this and changes the strategy in us spiritually. That we, we go into a, a, a new tactical era of the church. And, and this year I wrote some things down for our church and um, I really sense it's a year to refresh and to renew, that, to bring... Uh, to renew things again, not, not to, to, to find some, some, some brand new revelations, but to redefine things that the church has al- always had, um, but perhaps has been forgotten or neglected. And I, I've got to say, last year was the hardest year of ministry, not only for me personally, but as our church. It was the hardest year, and many, many pastors I talked to all say last year was definitely the hardest year they've ever had. But I can tell you today, I don't know what's shifted, something's changed, but we've started the year really differently and really strong. Um, I think starting the very first day in January with Ingoma worship, who, who was here for that? What an incredible time. Uh, then we had, um, we, we had Pastor Claire preach, uh, a great word. Then we, then we had uh, Pastor Danny, who was here for Pastor Danny. We'd love to get Pastor Danny back uh, midweek later on in this year to, to just teach us some more things. And, of course, we had uh, Pastor Josh Greenwood. So we started the year um, really just trying to set some things of momentum going, and uh, it's been really exciting to be part of that. So we want to return to teaching some key elements of faith. That's what we want to refresh in and renew ourselves in. So this morning I hope we can reintroduce three basics of being born again, baptised, and spirit-filled. So the very, very uh, old message, but it's really important that we remind ourselves that that is what we're here for as a church and we need to be reminded of that. So discipleship starts at those places. So getting back to Matthew chapter 24, I want to tell you something. I'll give you some homework today. Who comes to church not for the homework? No, but I'm going to give you some anyway. I want you to read Matthew chapter 24 for yourself. Because Jesus tells us in Matthew 24 what to expect in the last days. And I want you to say, well, Jesus, you know, from what I see, where are we in the timeline of life? And, and don't, don't be afraid of that, you know, what that is all about. But say, Jesus, thank you for explaining it to us and, and giving us this, this information. But anyway, Matthew 24 verse 12. I've got it here in two versions, the same scripture in two versions. One's the um, NIV and the other is the New Living Translation. Um, okay, what's the NIV stand for? New International Version, that's right. Now it says this, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Matthew 24 tells it a little bit different in, in, in the New Living Translation. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. Now, what that Jesus is talking about the church. You think that, that, is, that is so crazy. In the hour when the church should be rising into victory, seeing the, 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 
you're ushering in the return of Jesus with victory and with power, it says that many will grow cold. Their love will grow cold. Now, we cannot allow ourselves to be among the crowd of the many whose hearts drift to the conditions of the world. And I, I think of Noah. It says, Jesus says in Matthew 24, it will be like in the days of Noah. Um, that wickedness will be everywhere and sin will be rampant, just like in the days of Noah, it says. And praise God, there was a Noah. Everyone else in the whole world had turned their backs on God except for one family. And I believe it's indicative today of the church. The rest of the world can turn their backs on God, but we need to be a church that is on fire, that ushers in and welcomes the return of Jesus. So the evidence of love grown cold is seen across our nation, across the country of Australia, where there was once thriving churches in every suburb, in every town. You know, there were some towns around, even on the Air Peninsula, you had three or four churches that were thriving, that were full of people. They're now closed buildings. They're now empty. It's indicative of the hearts that have gone cold. And they closed not because of economics or persecution, but because of hearts that have gone cold to Jesus. Hearts had got cold to the purpose of God. Hearts had got cold to the call of God. That's why they're closed. So, but that slide begins, if we can have the next slide, please. That slide away begins individually. It begins in individual people's hearts, ignoring the word of God, ignoring the call to worship, that is fellowship, the, the house of God, ignoring praying together, and, you know, for us, many people think, oh, church starts either at 9 o'clock or, or 10 a.m. But I'll tell you something, for, for a great many of our people, church starts at 8 a.m. Sunday morning because we come and have a prayer meeting at 8 a.m. Maybe you don't know that, but that's when church starts on Sundays is an 8 a.m. prayer meeting. We also have a 7 a.m. men's group on, on Wednesdays, and, and that's another great opportunity. I know it's not conducive for everybody, but you need to know that prayer isn't a meeting, it's a function of the church. And the church that prays is powerful. The church that prays and calls upon God will see God's hand move. The church that has forgotten to pray, the church that ignores praying together is a dying church. So you need to, you need to realize when you're talking to, especially to other Christians, the normal thing to do is to say, let's pray about that. That's the normal thing. That's a natural spiritual thing to do. Get used to praying. Get used to hearing your own voice crying out to God. And the other thing that we ignore is the urgency to spread the good news of Jesus. Ignoring the urgency to spread the good news. And many Christians today don't even realize that they are carriers of the good news. And they, they don't realize what Jesus has done for them. And so they don't have a value of it. And you need to value what Jesus has done and carry and have an urgency to spread the news of Jesus to others. So... When we have that, it spreads into the church. When there's a whole group of individuals who, who have that, it spreads to the church and the things that are normal for discipleship are ignored. They're rejected on the grounds of personal preference or comfort. We don't want to be among that kind of a church. We don't want to be that kind of a believer. Instead, 1 Peter 3 verse 15, if we have that slide, have an instead rather than an ignore. I love this, 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. You know, all those, those things that people ignore, 
is because there's, a, there's a, 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 an intersection, a, a breakdown of who is Lord of your life. So when Jesus is Lord, all those things come easily. They're discipleship disciplines that come easily in your life. And it goes on. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. That used to really, really scare me, uh, that, that last part there, because I didn't know how to explain the gospel. And I used to feel really, really uncomfortable, really awkward trying to tell someone who might ask a question about, well, what is it to be a Christian? And I would, I would stumble, I would, I would you know, mumble my way through and, and, and you know, be very, very awkward about it. But today I want to give you some simple keys that can help you to explain the gospel to others and be ready. I want you to be ready as a church to, to explain to others the hope that we have in Jesus. So there are three core things that make you a Christian. Uh, and I've given, there's a disclaimer there. Please read that carefully and apply it. But the three keys to being a Christian are be born again, be baptized, and be spirit-filled. So there are three Bs about what is a Christian. You know, and I said, I said this in the first service, and I lost my train of thought, sort of got halfway through and, and then had to come back to it. But I know when I worked in construction, we used to have the, the, the smoko breaks and the lunch breaks, and, and nearly every week, I'll tell you, maybe more than once a week, there'd be someone in that room of, of unsaved people, and the, the, the subject of God or church would come up somehow, all the time, and I'd be, I'd be an undercover agent hiding behind the newspaper. They don't, they don't know my identity. But, but I'd listen carefully to the, to the conversations. And <clears throat> now I've lost my train of thought again. It's, it's okay, I'll get back to it. But what, they, what, what would happen is, is people have their, their own opinions of who God is and what God is like. And often it's got nothing to do with, with what God is really like. Now I've just got to, just got to go back a little bit to, to, to those thoughts of, of what I was trying to get to. I don't know how come I've got to this point and I have a mental breakdown. The smoker room philosophers would have their opinions about God. And the, my thought is, my point is... Someone help me. Who was he in the first service who wasn't listening? Hey? Oh, that's right, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for that, for that prompting. They would often say... Forgive me for my lack of... of, of uh, brain power this morning. I'm a grandpa. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's hitting me already. So that, that darn kid's taken 40% of my brain power. What it is, is, is what they would say, yeah, now this is really powerful, so this is the point I was getting to. They would often say, I don't mind Christians, I just can't stand these born-agains. Can't stand these born-again ones. They're, they're the worst, can't stand them. I say, you know, Christians are okay, but these born-agains... Well, I want to give you a newsflash right now. There is no other kind of Christian except a born-again Christian. As I said earlier, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Now, to be born-again, we have to believe in Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Here's the truth from Jesus. Unless you are born-again... You cannot see the kingdom of God. There is only one type of Christian. 
And they are, those are ones who have been born again of the Spirit to Jesus Christ. So there is no other kind of Christian. You can't say, well, my tra- family traditions are found in this thing and we've got generations you know, in this particular denomination or in this church. You know, Jesus didn't say that. He said, unless you are born again. So you know, the, the smoker room philosopher, you are, you, are res- you are resisting something from the Holy Spirit. You are resisting the, the truth of the gospel and saying, well, I reject that, but, but a form of religion is okay, but we don't want the real thing. That's what they're actually declaring. So it took a long time for me to get to that, but sorry. Um, little, what's his name? Duke, he stole my memory. As soon as he's born, you go to grandpa. There goes 40% of his brain. <laughs> Romans, now, now I want to give you some, some things. So if, if you struggle with telling people the, about the Lord, if you struggle to, to explain what a Christian is, then what I want you to do is get your Bible and put a bookmark in the middle of, of this scripture, Romans 3, verse 22 to 25. And when someone wants to know what it is to be a Christian, you can say, let me explain it to you from the word of God, from the truth. This is what it tells us about how to be a Christian. Because I think it's so, so crazy that even among Christians, we can't explain simply what the gospel is. Who are they going to ask to find out? They're going to ask us. So Romans three twenty-two to 25 says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. And we need to know fundamentally the purpose of Jesus is to deal with that sin that separated us from the Father. And that's why Jesus came. So he came to deal with that issue that keeps us away from God. Verse 25, for God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Now you might think, but these people don't understand what these spiritual principles are. You know what? The word of God is powerful to cut through people's arguments. It's a spiritual thing. So we've got to trust the spirit. And when we tell people that's what it is, then you let the spirit do the working. You let the spirit work through their lives to their heart. And it's amazing how much the the, the spirit can penetrate. You know, I just want to pick on Dion for a moment because, because Dion came to church declaring a certain uh, thought pattern in his life. Do you remember Dion? Yeah. I, I, I love speaking about Dion because I remember the first conversation he said, oh, day, I'm Dion. I'm an atheist. And I said, wow, that's amazing. Can I say that, Dion? And then after, and he kept, this crazy atheist kept coming back to church. And I said, how come an atheist keeps coming to church? He goes, oh, it was amusing with the words. It was kind of amusing. But I'll never forget, I'm thinking, here comes Dion, he's going to give me another crazy question. And he comes to me and he says, um, I need to talk to you. And I thought, okay, what's the question now? And he says, uh, I think I want to be baptised. And I'm like, atheists don't get baptised. And in his own words, he says, used to be. You know what? And we want to see a church full of used to be atheists who discovered the power of the word of God, the power of salvation, Because God does the revealing, we just have to do the teaching. 
And we've got Shirley and we've got all sorts of people around this room who have all come to know Jesus in a similar fashion. And we've just got to give God thanks for that. So uh, Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 says, Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and you will be saved. That's a paraphrase, but basically that's, that's what it is to be a Christian. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth. That is that you tell others, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe Jesus. The second thing about a Christian is be baptized. Now, baptism is not an optional extra. It's a vital physical declaration of discipleship. So we have a lot of options in life, optional extras. I can have short pants today. I can have long pants. I can wear a T-shirt. I can wear an R.M. Williams shirt. I can, I can wear a hat. I, I can wear thongs or I can wear polished boots. We've got lots of options in life, but when it comes to our spiritual discipleship, God gives us some, some, some fundamentals that are not options. They're not optional. And baptism is not an optional extra. It's a vital physical declaration of our discipleship. There's an example from the Old Testament. The Israelites, escaping from the Egyptians, they went through the Red Sea. It was a, a baptism. It was their baptism to freedom. It was, de, it was the defining moment where they finally escaped from being slaves to being free. And God took them through the Red Sea as a mark of, of baptism that we use as an example today. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 2, it says, In the cloud and in the sea, all of them were baptized as followers of Moses. Now they're talking about the cloud, that was this pillar of cloud that led the people through the wilderness by day and it was a pillar of fire by night that's representative of the Holy Spirit as standing by protecting and guiding and and watching over everything that they did that's we'll get to that in a moment but 1st Corinthians 10 uh, 12 verse 13 it says some of us are Jews some are Gentiles some are slaves and some are free but we have all see that emphasis there we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. I was talking to a pastor this week and he was talking about a leader in his church who'd been a campus pastor in their church and, and he said we discovered somewhere along the line they'd been pastoring and leading and, and, and uh, in oversight of a church yet they'd never been baptized. And so they said, hey, well, hang on. I don't know how it had gone for so long. Had grown up in church, had, had gone through all the, the things in church life but had thought, well, that's an optional extra that I don't need. And so you know, they, they thought, well, we've got to get you baptized. So they baptized this, this person in another campus so they wouldn't be embarrassed in front of their church by by saying, hey, you know, guys, I wasn't baptised for so many years. But some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles. This talks about the whole, the, the, the believers around the world coming under one banner. Some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptised into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. See, at baptism, it's really important that we, that we understand that we, as believers need to be baptized. At baptism, we separate ourselves from our past to be a disciple of Jesus. It's a public declaration of discipleship, of obedience, of saying, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. We used to sing a song when I got baptized, and and what would happen every time you got baptized, the whole church would start to sing, I have decided, 
like my singing voice? To follow Jesus. Some people already sing it. They were there in those days. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. And, and we'd all sing that song every time someone was baptised because it's a declaration song that, that we're following Jesus now. The cross before me, the world is behind me. It's a definite separation from our past to a future in Jesus. So we separate ourselves. I want to show you something this morning from Luke chapter 7, verse 29, that I've never noticed before about baptism. It says, All the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way was right, for they had been baptised by John. That was John the Baptist. See, people were baptised by John, a man who carried a message of repentance. It says the people of Israel, they're waiting for their Messiah. They're waiting for their king. They're waiting for the bondage of, of their oppressors to be taken off them. And John the Baptist was a forerunner. He was a, he was a, a, a herald of the change that God was bringing, which was Jesus. And it says in Luke chapter 7, verse 30, But the Pharisees and experts in religious law rejected God's plan for them, for they had refused John's baptism. There's something really, really powerful that we need to see in that. Refusing to be baptised, they rejected God's plan. They rejected God's best. See, rejection, rejecting God's man, they missed God's plan. And we, we need to realise that, that God has given us certain things as elements of our, our journey of discipleship that have a powerful spiritual result in our life. So to be baptised by water, we declare Jesus is our King and we open a new chapter spiritually. Mark chapter 16, verse 16 instructs every believer to be baptised. So it's not like an option. It's not like, well, some of them can, some of those who feel like it can, those who don't feel like it don't need to. You know, I love watching, uh, watching videos of people in, in Eastern Europe and they've broken a hole in the ice and they're being baptised in in freezing cold water under an inch of ice. And you're thinking, they are so desiring to be baptised that they don't, they, there's like, oh, I was a bit cold today. I think I'll, I'll give it a miss. It's like freezing cold, but they have made that decision to be baptised. John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. He's talking about being baptised. He's talking about going through the waters of baptism as a sign of discipleship. So the next thing, Jesus also talked about the Spirit, a different baptism, which is a spiritual baptism. And that leads me to the next point, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 4 is, is the example of the church, the early church, these believers who were gathered together in one place. Again, another good advertisement for churches praying together they were all together in one place praying when and by the way some people say hey we're pentecostal you know the most pentecostal thing you can do is be in unity in your church be in the same place at church in unity and that is the forerunner for the power of god being unleashed without measure some people say oh we want to see god move like the book of acts but oh gee i don't like her and i don't like him you know <laughs> You know, you're Buckley's hope of seeing the Spirit move with that attitude. So we've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, this is Jesus speaking, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. See, the Holy Spirit delivers to you wisdom. So that type of wisdom to know when to speak, when not to speak, what to speak. He, he delivers to us grace, peace, patience, joy, kindness, self-control. Uh, Galatians 5 talks about that, that, all the fruits of the Spirit. It's found in Galatians 5. And they are for us to take. They are for us to enjoy. They are for us to be used. So we all need a piece of that. We all need a piece of the action when it comes to a spiritual dynamic to our spiritual walk. I'm not interested in a religious ceremony of, of a Christian walk. And that's not what we're talking about today. I'll do these three things and then you'll be right with God. It's, it's, some of these things are physical, practical things, but they allow a, a, a flow of the Holy Spirit that changes everything about our lifestyle into a spiritual thing. And I would like nothing more than to see the church rising in 2023 into spiritual things, into the power of God, into the purpose of God, into the call of God, into the very essence of the presence of heaven on earth is when the church is operating spiritually, not religiously. Oh, I'm feeling excited about that one. So we all need a piece of that kind of action. So the Holy Spirit enables revelation to live spiritually in every situation. And that's what we should be aiming for. Holy Spirit, help me to live in every situation, whether I've got a lot, whether I've got none, whether I'm blessed or whether I'm poor, whether I'm happy, whether I'm sad, whether I'm grieving or whether I'm partying. The Holy Spirit wants to take you through every part of your life. And God doesn't desert us because things bad happen. But we receive the Holy Spirit in two ways. It says... Uh, there's a laying on of hands. That's one of the reasons why I think awaken nights are so, so important because we want to have time where we can lay hands upon one another for an impartation of the Holy Spirit. It says um, that, that uh, Acts chapter 8, 17, and Peter and John laid their hands upon the believers and they received the Holy Spirit. There's something dynamic and powerful when there's believers who are carrying the Holy Spirit, laying hands on others and seeing them receive the power of the Holy Spirit. There's, there's another way, um, Acts chapter 10 verse 44, and as Peter was saying these things, as he was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. And I believe there's something special when we come out on a, on a Thursday night to be in the house of God, to be in the presence of God, to worship a little bit longer, to, to just be in his presence, just to, to be in the house of God together in unity, then it is a fertile environment for the Holy Spirit to begin to fill people and to begin to touch people. In the old days, I've never been in a church that did it, but I've heard about it. People would say they, they used to have these meetings called tarry meetings, which is an old-fashioned English word to say wait a while. And they'd say we'd have a tarry meeting, a wait a while meeting, where we'd just stay and linger in the presence of God and just see what God would do. So they would just wait a bit longer. And I'll tell you something, a hungry church that is a, a, a wait a bit longer church is a church that allows the Holy Spirit to have the preeminence in our lives. Because we're saying, what other things don't matter? I want the presence of Jesus. And there's nothing worse than a Christian who's become dry, who's become cold, who's become so desensitized to the desire of God in their life that they no longer care. 
They just think, oh, that's just another meeting. That's just another church thing. No, I want you to grasp something in your spirit today that takes you beyond that kind of uh, worldly, carnal thinking to saying, Jesus, I desire the oil of the Spirit. Change my heart. Change my outlook. Pour in the gifts of the Spirit, which there are nine. Let's go after those. It's fantastic. So who's coming on Thursday night? It'll be great to see you here. I'd love to see you. So... If I can have the musicians come and, and join me again. There's three elements that I've spoken about this morning. Be born again. Be baptised. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not a religious series of events. That's not what I'm wanting you to get from today. Not, not do these three things and, and I'll, I'll tick some religious boxes and now I'm going to be saved. They are discipleship pathways that develop the call of God within you. And that's what we're called to be. We're called to be disciples of Jesus that follow his leading. It's a spiritual journey, not a religious one. Ephesians 4 verse 7. And I want, I want you to take this personally today. Lead a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. Today is a great start, a great day to start living according to the calling that Jesus has for your life. You might think, hey, I never knew that. No one's ever told me that before. Today's your day. Today is your blessed day. Not your lucky day, it's your blessed day because you have been called by God for a reason and for a purpose. It's called discipleship. It's what a Christian is. So if you want to think, hey, what's that question that I started with today? What is a Christian? It's not someone who goes to church. It's not someone who prays a lot or has a Bible. It's a disciple of Jesus. It's a, it's a follower of Jesus Christ. I'll give you just a few things, just a few ideas to help you be a disciple. First thing is read your Bible. Get acquainted with the Word of God. Read your Bible. Read it a lot. Second thing you can do is pray. Learn to pray and talk to Jesus. Make it a habit in your life to pray. And the third thing, these, these things can seem so fundamental, so easy, but so many people neglect them. The third thing is be in fellowship. Find yourself a good church where you sense that you belong, where, where you connect and anchor yourself there. It's not, an, you know, it's not, a, it's not another one of those options. Well, should I, should I go? Should I not? No, you, you make a determination. Say, I'm going to be in the house of God today because that's where my life source is going to come from. That's where I'm going to be encouraged. That's where I may encourage others. So whether you've been a Christian for a long time or a short time, we're always disciples of Jesus. And today we can refresh our souls for what Jesus has next. Turn to someone next to you and say, Jesus has something next for you. Take a moment. Jesus has something next for you. And what today's all about is just starting, getting ready for what next is. Getting ready for what next is. So someone, maybe you need to commit. And commitment's something you've, you've been scared to do. Maybe you think, oh, you know, that's always been my resistance. I, I just fear commitment. Maybe, you, maybe it means that you need to say, oh, I'm going to do Bible college this year. 
Maybe I'm going to just be in the house of God as much as I can. I'm going to commit to that. Whatever it is, maybe you need to commit. I'm, I'm going to read the word for today every day. I'm going to make a commitment. Never underestimate the power of a small commitment and where God will take you with that. I want to pray for you this morning. Could we please stand? Because I, I want to pray for a refreshing, a spirit of refreshing, the, the Holy Spirit to, to be at work among us as a people, to be at work among us as a, as a body of believers. That we can be refreshed in our souls for what Jesus has next. And that we're ready for that. Whatever that means for every individual here today. I also want to pray that you that we may be disciples and go after the call of Jesus. To see it and, and to understand it. Go after it. Also, I want to pray for those who have been troubled. You, you just find that something in you just... You just can't do the basics. It's like it's just something gets in the way. I get discouraged. I get my time gets eaten up. And you're just not in that place where you can ever really sense you can push through. And there's been a, a blockage every time you try and commit. You want to, but you just haven't been able to. I want to set you free today. When I pray, I want you to say, Jesus, set me free. I'm going to let the, the burden of the bondage off my life so if you need prayer in any of those areas this morning I'm going to just ask you to raise your hand up nice and high maybe kneel down do something to say Jesus I, I need you in this point in my life I want to go on a spiritual journey I want to be set free from a religious a religious experience I want a spiritual thing I want to break through I want to have the, 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 the plans of God revealed clearer in my life so as I pray I want you to just raise your hands up nice and high and I'll pray for you the Holy Spirit will see that that hand you'll see your kneeling or whatever it is that you need to do today and he'll do a work he'll begin something fresh and new in you today so Father we pray right now for a refreshing throughout our church a refreshing throughout our lives Lord God for the things of the Spirit Lord for the basic things that we can, that we can do I pray Lord God that there be breakthroughs where people have been stuck, where people have had a failure to be able to commit, Lord, set them free today. We say, Jesus, have your way in our lives in, in a powerful way, starting from today. Lord, we pray also that we may become disciples that go after the call of Jesus, that we can be all that you've planned us to be. Father, I pray that there'll be mighty men and mighty women who are sitting in this meeting today and sparks of faith are starting to fire up a fire that they may go on and do things that they thought they could never do. I pray today be the day that starts something new. And Lord, we pray for those who have been troubled to commit. I pray against that, the spirits at work that say, no, 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 I'm going to make you busy. I'm going to get in the way. I'm going to cause you to be distracted. So spirits of distraction, spirits of discouragement, we speak against them right now in the name of Jesus and we break their power we pray that there may be those here today who may find themselves at a place where they say, Jesus, I commit myself to you. Whatever that means, Lord, whatever you want of me, I give myself to you today in a new and special way. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand. You can take your seats. Thank you, Lord.
Now I know today there will be people here and you've never had an opportunity to start a relationship with Jesus. You've never made that declaration to be born again. But you can do that today. You can respond to the call of God and become a Christian. You can be a believer today in Jesus. So what we have is we have a prayer that we use. And what it is, it's a start point of that journey of discipleship. It's a declaration. Jesus said, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be born again. This is the confession that comes out of a believing, out of a believing heart and a confession of our mouth. So what I'd ask you to do, the whole church will pray with you. If you've never prayed this prayer before, that's okay. I encourage you to pray it. And if you mean it in your heart, then you will go from death to life. You'll go from unbeliever to believer and something that happens spiritually inside of you. So can we pray this together and pray this with those who have never prayed a prayer like this before? Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and I invite you to be my Lord and Saviour. Today I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, we'd love to uh, meet with you, talk to you, uh, just encourage you with that decision today. But I want you to, to understand you've started a journey of discipleship and Jesus wants to take you into the most incredible destiny and see God do amazing things in and through your life. And uh, it's so good. So if that was you today, please come and see me. I'd love to help you on that journey. That's all I have for you this morning. It's been great. I hope that you've learned something about the foundations again. Some of those things that are really vitally important. Be born again. Be baptized. And be filled with the Holy Spirit.